Hello and welcome to Is This Room Free? My name is Martin Drake and I'm an ex-HR professional who is now the founder and managing director of Hire People, a recruitment business that is raising the standards in the way recruitment agencies operate. In this podcast, I will be talking to HR professionals and listening to the stories of their careers. I will be finding out about the journeys they have taken and what they've learned along the way. The purpose is to help others in the profession identify and understand the various paths available and take inspiration from my guest speakers. Whether you are someone who is looking to get that first step on the HR career ladder or an aspiring HR director, I hope you get value from my conversations. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Is This Room Free? Um, And in fact, this is going to be the final episode that goes out before Christmas. Um, I am sat, none of you can see this, Um, Rebecca, you haven't been able to see this yet, but I am sat here with my um, Christmas jumper on. I've got my friend's Christmas jumper on, which says, um, I'm the holiday armadillo, which my wife kindly bought me last year after she went to, um, you probably get these in the US where... Um, friend, the friend set goes on tour. Um, see, so yeah. So my wife went last year, and she picked me up this um, novelty Christmas jumper from the uh, <laughs> the friend show. So here I am, sat in my friend's jumper. Um, but anyway, um, my jumper aside, um, I'm delighted. I'm 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 very very excited um, for this episode because this is an absolute first for me. Um, so joining me this week, I've got a lady called Rebecca. I'm going to let you do the introduction in a second. Um, and uh, we connected a while ago. I've been following you for a little bit on LinkedIn. Um, kept seeing these great posts popping up. And I was like, right, I need to get in touch with this lady because she's someone who's clearly put comfortable putting herself out there. So she's likely to be up for being a bit of a guest on a podcast. Um, and yeah, got in touch with her with a conversation. And here we are. So um Rebecca, I'm just going to pass over to you. Just do kind of a very brief introduction of uh, kind of who you are um, and what your your role is right now. Sure. So I am a teacher turned HR professional. I taught for quite a few years, about nine in total, uh, both in the U.S., France, and South Korea. I came back to the States and I wanted to give teaching a go. And it was definitely not what I had expected from my other experiences overseas. I wrote down a job description of all the things that I really liked about teaching. And then from an eagle eye view, I realized that was an HR description, uh, HR job description. So I went to school for HR. I got a degree um, and really just transitioned to HR. And it's been amazing ever since. Fantastic. So people are thinking, well, why is Martin really excited? Why is this the first? Well, you know, I, I didn't know about all that kind of colourful past that you had until we got talking recently. Um, really, the, the only reason I wanted to get in touch was I kept seeing all these great posts of somebody who's a real kind of advocate for, for kind of positive, progressive HR. Um, I really like that sort of stuff. Um, and then when we actually got into the conversation, um, you told me about your background, but the real realisation was you only entered HR two years ago, literally two years ago, November. Um and you've gone from your first HR job to HR director in two years. So, I mean, that is that is just off the scale. That is <laughs> unprecedented. I've, that's that's why you're first. I've 
I've had people who've gone from entry to um, head of in six years or that sort of trajectory, but nobody who's done it in two. So I'm just really, really inquisitive and, and interested in how we, how, how the hell you've managed to achieve that. <laughs> um, so there's a, there's a huge backstory with you. You know, we were just talking off air about, um, you know, your journey and, and, and some of the kind of um, benefits you've had of living in different countries and, and kind of seeing how different um, countries and cultures operate. Um, so really interesting kind of how will that happen? Because you don't tend to find a lot of Americans who've traveled to the extent you have, certainly to maybe not some of the the destinations that you've been in and for quite as long as you've been there. Um, so really interesting kind of getting into all that side. Um, but really kind of how that backstory brings us up to to the last couple of years really and um yeah how how you got to that point and then what are you doing that has just made you move so rapidly in that short space of time so so that's the the kind of the premise of today um so i'm going to kind of pass over to you um let's go kind of back to the beginning you you mentioned that you kind of started in teaching so um did you did you go to university what did you study as you left university i mean was it teaching you know as as you kind of went through that how do we then kind of move into that first job and um i mean i know what that first job is i'm going to ask you what it is just for the sake of the listeners i know what it is but yeah talk to me about the 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 origins so i'm going to first say everybody put your seatbelt on it's a wild ride <laughs> So, Get your popcorn ready. Yep, yep. Uh, in high school, I studied a bunch of languages: French, Spanish, Italian, German, Dutch, like all anything I could get my hands on, I did. Um, was I great at them? No, but I think it really helped with some neuroplasticity and just ability to think. So I'm really grateful for those experiences. With a, I, with a purpose of thinking you were going to use them, or just um, this seems like fun to learn how people say hello in different languages and that it sort was of stuff. Fun. It was fun and it was something to do. It was productive, which is a common trend in my entire life. If I'm doing something, it generally has to be productive. I mean, even now my hobby is selling freeze-dried candies and whatnot at farmer's markets. Like that's my hobby. That's what I do for fun. So um, Freeze-dried candies? Yeah, freeze-dried. We have a freeze-dryer. I don't understand how that works. (laughs) I I know freeze-dried fruit and stuff like that. (laughs) How does freeze-dried candy work? You have to send me your address. Then, Then you'll know. You'll know. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I was studying so many languages. I loved it. And I really keyed in on French. Uh, I loved speaking and studying French. So I ended up with a scholarship to study in France and also go to Quebec with uh, the, the scholarship. And the Quebec program was for five weeks, complete French immersion. And then I went to France. And I don't know if anybody around here is has studied French, but Quebecois and uh, France French are very different. So it was pretty really? funny going to France and having people be very confused because I had this American Quebecois accent, like nobody could tell where I was from. It was a wild ride, but I stayed in France for a year in Lille, which is in the north part. Um, yeah. And when I graduated, I knew that I wanted to continue traveling and I already spoke French, so I didn't want to go back to France. Um yeah, I ended up in South Korea. Just felt like the right choice at the time. I mean, of course, you know, you've you've studied France, you've been to France. 
I mean, obviously, South Korea is in a, yeah. a clear destination. <laughs> Why South Korea? It just felt right. Um, there's a really common trend here of things just feeling right, and I do. No, but them. how, like, if I was to, if I was to look at a map now and go right, where feels right? South Korea does not jump out at me for a lot of reasons. It's, mm-hmm. it's. I think you go to Europe. There's a. It's different. The language is different, but there's a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. You know. Language is kind of the, the the key one, a little bit different food, but there's a lot of core essence that you go, do you know what? I'm not too out of my comfort zone. I've I've been to um I've been to um China, I've been to Hong Kong, um, I've been to Thailand, Singapore, I've been kind of around that area. I've not been to um Japan, um certainly but not been to North Korea, uh, but I've not been to South Korea. But you know, I understand that world. And you can very much feel like an alien you mm-hmm. it's, it's so different um the food is completely different the the writing on signs is completely different you know you almost feel like you've been dropped in an in another world really so south korea would not jump out at me and go hmm, that feels right it would probably feel the opposite of that um i mean jamaica would be looking quite feels about right to me right now but so so why south korea I was graduating. They were going to pay my rent, which was really much appreciated. Uh, Coming into the environment of 2012, it was uh, a little bit uncertain there. So, you know, the pay seemed pretty good. The travel was free. They were going to pay for me to go there, pay for me to fly home. It just seemed like a really good setup. And also, it wasn't wasn't like you just went one day, oh, South Korea. There was a bit of kind of um, research and opportunity and, and, and kind of covering costs and things that um, on paper, it was starting to stack up like a right decision, not just a, an impulsive decision. I mean, it was impulsive to be South Korea because it could have been anywhere. I mean, China would have been the same, uh, Thailand, Indonesia, like there are opportunities oh, okay. everywhere. But uh, so I knew I was going to go somewhere. I just didn't know where. Right. Um, okay. And when I was in France, I had a, a teaching gig that lasted for about a year, which was nice and I enjoyed it. So having a little bit of experience gave me an edge up um, as I, or leg up rather, as I uh, went to Korea. So ended up getting a nice choice of school and that was it. That was that. Okay. And what was that like? Was it, like I say, for me, it, uh, there's there's that kind of alien element around it in terms of kind of how different it is to to home i guess or mm-hmm. other um european um american you know sim- similar cultures um similar ways of life um what was it like going in there then you know into the into that kind of cultural melt not melt but just it just being so different it was character building, which is like, that's what I like to call really that sounds challenging like the political answer. things in my life. Every time there's something really challenging happening, I just think mm, this is really character building. So it was character building. My, uh, I literally, was it hard? Oh, yeah. I was really hard. I mean, I came off the plane and I remember being laughed at because I didn't know how to use chopsticks. I mean, it was fish out of water. But as time went on, things got more comfortable. I started picking up the language better. I was able to communicate better. Um, And I think no matter where you are, this is in HR or anything else. If you can understand the core of a person, you can do anything. And that was the beginning, I believe, of my HR career. 
And even though that wasn't HR specific, if you think about an environment in an office and how people from different backgrounds all come together, understanding the core of the person you're working with is everything. And that's where it started. Okay. Okay. I like how you're um, you're self-reflecting or, you you know, I'm not saying you're doing it just specifically for this conversation, but you've obviously done that of, of kind of looking at um, scenarios that you've been through in your life and, and understanding kind of where it's led you to and um I guess what you've kind of picked up from each situation that that has led you to kind of where you're at now. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so you did some, um, I'm guessing kind of English language teaching to, um, to South Korean, was it children? It was everything from preschool kiddos to Samsung employees, you name it. I've probably taught it. Okay. Okay. Um, so you were there for about four years. Um, what, where do we go from there? So when I was in Korea for about a year and some change, I met my husband and we ended American up American or South Korean? He is from Ohio and we met in South Korea. Of course Korea. he is. Of yes. course. Of course. So we decided How to... How did you meet? We met Sorry, on... I, keep, I keep peppering you with questions. Like, this is, hey, it's okay. There's just so much going on here. This is just such an unusual journey that my, my brain thinks it's a matter of my mouth just spits it out. <laughs> It's all good. My uh, my husband and I actually met on the way to Costco, if you can believe it. Uh, a friend of this mine... This just gets weirder and weirder by the second. <laughs> it does. So we ended up, um, you know, going to Costco. A, a mutual friend of ours needed help with, uh, with a card, getting it, because my husband spoke Korean really well. And uh, after that, it was just smooth sailing. We, we've been a perfect At pair your eyes met across the trolley. <laughs> Somewhat like that, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So, so you met your husband. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was year one in South Korea. One and some change. Yeah. Right. And okay. we, about three years later, we got married and we just decided that it was time to move back to the States. Uh, so we did. I guess you're kind of a... family planning at that point and thinking, okay, if we're going to have kids, where are we going to do that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And okay. that's exactly where we were at. And you know how I said that South Korea just felt right? Well, Texas also just felt right. So I just insisted that we move to Texas. Hardcore. My husband just was really confused by how adamant I was about moving to Texas, but I really wanted to. And he... So where are you from originally? New York. You're from New York and he's from Ohio. Yes. Okay. So so why, why Dallas? It is the land of opportunity in so many ways. The cost of living is great. The opportunities for growth here are phenomenal. My husband's in cybersecurity, so the opportunities for growth for him are wonderful. Same for me being in HR. There are so many companies here and so many other professionals to learn from. It just made complete sense. So here we are. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So um, so you decided to relocate back to the US, um, Mm -hmm. Texan specific. Um, What next? So... (laughs) In Texas, uh, before we moved to Dallas, we were in central Texas in a, in a small town, and I wanted to teach special education. So I ended up getting certified to go ahead and, and be able to teach that. I taught for about three years, and each year I thought, mm, I'm going to try something different, and if it's the same, you know, I'll come back and reevaluate. So I had two years in central Texas, decided to move up to DFW, and 
once we did that, I tried again in a completely different environment and I noticed I was still having the same struggles. Uh, and that is when I decided to switch up the career that I was doing. Okay. So when you say struggles, I'm guessing you mean, I mean, that, that's, you know, that's not a normal teaching environment, is it? You're, um, I'm, I'm, was it um, children with um, kind of learning difficulties? It was. Um, I was an inclusion teacher, so I helped all students um, from okay. all different backgrounds. But the uh, the tough part was that I got almost punched in the face a couple too yeah. many times, and there was a lot of violence, and it was it was pretty tough um, to feel safe. Uh, which is really sad because I feel like schools should be a safe place for kids. Um, so it was a bit of a challenge there. Uh, but it's so hard, isn't it? Because they don't. I mean, you know, everyone's different. I imagine mm -hmm. they didn't always mean to kind of lash out. They were just, yeah, it, it's that struggle, isn't it, from you know their world to what's right and wrong and. So on the flip side of that, though, with all of those experiences, I became a really great de-escalator. So whenever I was around in a classroom and could sense that something was building, I was able to calm it down before it turned into something, which how many times does an HR professional have to do that? You, you realize that something could potentially build, so you tackle it head on early. So all of these little places that I've been have just been nuggets of wisdom to grow off of. And even though the job description wasn't HR, it was HR. Yeah. Okay. I get that. I get that. Okay. So, um, so you, you felt that that wasn't, you, you changed, um, change um, school again, still feeling uh, not enjoying this the way I should. Um, did you carry on teaching? So I, at the end of that third year, funny enough, guess what year it was? 2020. March 1st of 2020 is when I started my degree in HR through Western Governors University, which is an online self-paced uh, school. Huge fan, huge, huge fan. This place taught me everything that I needed to know. I literally walked into my certification exam and I studied so hard for it. And I literally could have just walked in because of the degree. It was amazing. And I studied so much. And you know how they say it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert at something? Uh, even though I wasn't necessarily working in HR at that time, I was studying HR. I was learning all these techniques in the classroom that would translate to HR. I really think that this was just a perfect storm. Okay. I'm really interested about what you said before then. So you kind of, you wrote everything down about, um, all of the the skills that you had and the things that you enjoyed and and that kind of wrote the profile of a HR person. Mm -hmm. um, did you know what? I mean, because it's interesting you, to to somebody who doesn't necessarily know what HR is. You could write a lot of those down and and kind of go, I don't think this exists because you know. I, I think what you're able to do now is, with hindsight, reflect on those and go, um, I was able to. Um, you know, mitigate something, um, conflict happening in, in, a, in a classroom, um, in, um, in South Korea, able to, uh, I can't remember what it was that you said you did, but you were able to kind of, you know, you, you'd be able to kind of look back and go, okay, these all translate to the HR professional, which I think I completely agree with, but, uh, um, a bit of me is kind of saying, yeah you can do that with hindsight if you don't know what hr is sometimes you can write something down and just go well i don't i, I don't know what this 
means that is, does this job exist so were you aware of hr prior because some people some, but some people's perception is that you know the hiring firing squad mm-hmm. well my aunt did hr so i wasn't completely in the dark about what hr did uh, i definitely didn't know in depth but i i knew in general the planning and the type of person it takes to be successful uh, so with that knowledge i was able to piece together a little better uh, okay. what the list would be. And I also Googled jobs teachers can do well that aren't teaching. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and there was a list that popped up and honestly, most of them were not for me, but HR okay. made my eyes light up. And that with the list, I, I was set golden. Okay. That was what I was going to do. Had you, as, as an employee, so up until that point, not having worked in HR, but being an employee of different organizations, had you had much exposure or interaction with any HR functions? The HR functions, yes. Uh, but HR in general, no. A lot of the places that I was working didn't have HR because they were too small or, you know, different countries have different legal requirements. So with the size we were, we didn't need anything for a while there. Uh, so it was really me taking on all these functions in different environments. I mean, South Korea, making sure that visas are solid, you know, that, that is an HR function. However, you know, I was teaching. So we, we, you were doing that for, to make sure the other teachers visas were okay. Yeah. I was helping to make okay, sure that we right. had everything together. I mean, honestly, all of these things just added up little by little. That's just... right. Okay. I understand. So yeah. So all of these kind of tiny little things, um, I'm guessing kind of back then you were just taking it on because somebody needed to do it and mm-hmm. you were just a proactive individual. I went, well, look, no one else is putting the hand up. I'll just deal with it and make sure we're compliant. Um, yep. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I was interested because um, I think sometimes when people do that transition over into HR, um, it often comes about through um some sort of kind of epiphany moment where um, they were maybe made redundant and they really appreciated the way that HR had done it or, you know, counters that they felt HR were awful at it. And, you know, it was a, it was a really bad experience. So they wanted to change that for people or, um, you know, they, they had a kind of great onboarding process. So sometimes it, it comes from people's um, engagement and exposure to HR, but I was trying to think through schools and thinking, well, typically a lot of schools, don't really have a, a HR or, or is it personnel function or it might be outsourced. So I was thinking, has she had much exposure to this or not? And I find that really interesting that you haven't because you almost, apart from your understanding through your aunt, um, you're kind of going in a bit blind then really, weren't you? You'd like, you don't know what you don't know kind of scenario. You know, I feel like we're all in that boat. We all don't know until... We know. Yeah. Um, and the best way is to learn from experience. And I just jumped in head first. I, I guess, yeah, I guess that's yeah. maybe a way of saying it. Um, if you've had experience with something, you create a, um, you know, a, a benchmark or a baseline mm-hmm. of, of expectation. So, you know, my experience of HR is I have been involved in interaction with HR when this happened and the service I received was this therefore that has set my level of expectation so if you were to transition into HR you have a baseline of which you are going to measure yourself against 
Whereas you kind of coming in completely blind like that, um, I imagine there's some amazing advantages, but also probably some challenges with that because you're not really fully aware of kind of, you know, how they, how other people do it. Um, so it's really, really, yeah, just I'm, I'm working it all through my head thinking how fascinating this is. If you kind of really not having experienced it, knowing a family member who worked in it, but still that'll be very limited. Um, and just through kind of mapping out a piece of paper and, and a quick Google search going, <laughs> okay, right. Cause it's like all the bust really, right. Hey, HR, I'm all in, especially to commit to that study as well. With that, the biggest asset for me was my network, honestly. So with not having the experience before I just jumped in, I slowly built my network of other HR professionals as I was looking for that first job. And even now, those same people that helped me along the way answer all the questions that I have. So I'm able to troubleshoot and learn best practices. Even if I haven't necessarily done that thing, I know someone who has, and I know someone who will help. And that makes such a difference. So that's really interesting. Um, why did you do that? I. So where what I'm trying to get, where was the foresight to go, do you know, I really need a solid network because the majority of people out there would not think that. They would just think, right, I'm going to go and do HR. I'm going to go and get my my qualification or do my degree or whatever it is that the requirement is I'm going to get that then I'm going to go and get a job and happy days I'll have my job I'll now be in HR you know goal achieved you're coming at this from a very very different angle yeah. of real kind of foresight so what what made you think I need to is it was this while she was studying then yes yeah, yeah. I finished the school year was in my degree because March 1st of 2020, right before everything shut down is when I started. Uh, and I was in my degree program, working through it and joined the local SHRM chapter, Dallas HR. Okay. And that was really the game changer in all of this. I've had little nuggets of information and some guidance along the way, but Dallas HR is when it really, it really, you know, made the big difference. I started networking. Uh, I went to one networking event, which thinking back is really funny. I was so nervous, I was sweating. I was uncomfortable. My face was red. I was nervous. People saw that my face was red. I mean, I just was on a ride, right? I get on the call and I meet a couple people and I was invited to a talk about was, career Of course it was digital. What am I oh, thinking? Yeah. Everything's With digital. Of, COVID, of course it's digital. Everything was digital. Everything because we're now back into it like, person yeah. to person I was just talking to someone the other day um I think it was I think it was the team actually I was just saying how weird was like it all it hopefully it feels like it's behind us now and you look back and go did that really happen when we weren't allowed to leave our houses it, you know mm -hmm. it was so intense in the middle of it and now it feels like the world is normal again but you there you quickly forget don't you just how crazy it was I forgot everything was just digital yep. for a second yeah right so and of course imagine trying to network to get into a career when everything was shut down and digital what a wild ride so because that's really digital... hard like networking in person is is hard but we're humans we, we, we we're interactive with other people doing that behind the screen is 
Yeah. It was was a transition. I really had to figure out how to do it. And I actually found a recipe that worked phenomenal. And now I pass it on to other people. Uh, But I was networking, invited to, got invited to an event that was all about career transition the next day. And I'm very grateful. I reached out to the person who gave that presentation. And that's when it started. He introduced me to two other people. Those two other people in, introduced me to two other people, and it just kept coming. And sometimes the meetings were phenomenal. And sometimes the meeting said, oh, it's so hard to get into HR right now. I think you should really try to do something else. And I was stubborn. I said, absolutely not. I'm not going in as an admin. I'm going in as HR. That's that's what's going to happen. So I was very persistent that that was the way things were going to go. And eventually, through networking, I met somebody who actually worked at my first HR job who advocated for me um, to really join the HR team. She thought I'd be an asset. Um, You know, I went through the interview process just like everybody else, but I ended up really finding my niche there. So you found found your first opportunity through through conversation and network rather Mm -hmm. than a job board or a recruiter. If we're being completely honest, that is the best way to find a job. It'll get you in the door. It will not get you the job, but it will get you the shot at it Uh, a lot easier than if you're just blindly applying. Uh, It'll generally get you a little bit easier to the interview stage or the phone screen stage, at least, uh, which really makes a big difference when your experience is completely outside the field. Do you know what? I I completely endorse that. I think especially at the senior level, um, we often get a lot of, um, you know, chief people officers, HR directors who who kind of talk to us. And I, and I often say, I, I'll definitely help you, but I would anticipate your next role is going to come from your network mm-hmm. because that's, that tends to be how it, how it works at that level. You, you, you become aware of really good people and then you want them in your team, you know, so, so usually chief execs, managing directors, anybody at that kind of C-suite level, they'll know of people who they've worked with in the past, who they want in their team because they want Mm -hmm. that organization to be successful under their stewardship. Um, But we do something um, which is probably quite unique as a a, a kind of staffing agency and recruiter that um, we we often give kind of coaching on LinkedIn. Um, So I always say, um, for anybody who hasn't watched Jerry Maguire, this is going to be completely flat for you. But I always say, you know, help me help you. Um, <laughs> and what I, we do is kind of go through a bit of, for anybody who doesn't know, we, we go through a bit of coaching on, look, this is how you use LinkedIn. This is how you can go and find people. This is how you then connect with those people. And then this is how you send a message. And if I was you, this is the message I would send. And I often kind of walk it through and I I end up typing a message out for the person to to read to the sort of thing I would say because it's about it's about being personal humorous humble and 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 really just kind of inquisitive it's not direct it's not forceful it's not expecting anything to happen so I often say you know if you're looking to get into HR who knows you're trying to get into HR probably your husband, your your partner, your family, your friends. Can any of them give you a job in HR? No. So you need to be going and standing on a platform in front of a room that's full of HR people who could give you a job. 
Now, I'm talking figuratively in that regard. You, you're not going to, I mean, somebody might do, but you're not going to stand up on a platform in front of a room of people. So how do you do that? Well, the, the, the best and easiest way is the world's biggest database of any profession is, is LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Go on there. Let's say you live in um, in Dallas. You know, go and connect with all the um, chief people officers, the HR directors, the HR managers, in the recruiters. The, the recruiters, yeah, yeah. Um, in in that area, mm-hmm. and then just send them a nice message and say, "Hi, this is me. You don't know me, but I exist. I'm or trying to break into this. Step I it just want to send a video message. That's what I did. Well, do you know what? I, I I do tell people that, but the the amount of people that come back and go, oh, I couldn't do that. So I, I kind of go, do this, write this message and say, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just trying to put myself on your radar. If you ever have a vacancy, which you probably don't right now, chances of, you know, timing it perfectly are minimal. So I just want to be on your radar that if something comes up, I would love to have a conversation with you. In the meantime, if you're free, can I have a can I have a Zoom offy? Can we have a jump on a video call and have a chat? Um, you know, I'm I'm available for that if you're interested. Um, if you want to take it to the next level, absolutely send a video because that that's a that's a game changer in itself. That is, yeah. this is me. This isn't words on a page. This is me laid bare. This is who I am. You can see the corner of my mouth smile. You can see the twinkle in my eye. You can hear the passion in my voice. You can't get that from a written word. But so many people, you're the exception to the rule. But this is why this has got you to where you are, because you've you've done things that other people aren't doing. I would agree with that. The videos made such a difference, even with some of the people that I really trust and confide in with HR to really get the right answers. I sent video messages to introduce myself. We got on a call and we've maintained a relationship uh, because video messages are different. Absolutely. You cannot explain to somebody the power of a little hello over a video versus Mm -hmm. when, when there's no previous relationship it breaks down all barriers. It shows you who we are humans. As I said, we, we interact on a person to person basis. Yes. The written word can, can, can work wonders. It can do really, really well, but if everyone else is doing that and someone's got a lot of stuff to read, you want to stand out. You want to do something different. You want to, you want to resonate with that individual. You want them to go, I absolutely want to have a conversation with this person. Even if we don't have a vacancy right now, What's going to make this person stick in my memory so that if I don't have time to have a chat with them right now, when I do have a requirement, I will go back to that individual and go, oh, do you remember that? What was her name? Was it Re- Rebecca? She sent me a video. I'll scroll through my messages and I'll find the one that's of a video of her saying, hi. For the benefit of the listener, could you just kind of give an overview of, of what you would say in that? in that video message because people people get really scared about you know well I'll, I'll freeze up on camera you know what do I say without being awkward we're not sounding like an idiot because that fear factor absolutely overwhelms people when it comes to send a video of yourself it's like dating you know <laughs> if you had to create a video profile that mm-hmm. potential suitors might watch oh my how how uncomfortable and awkward does that feel? And and it's very similar when you're going for a job, aren't you? You know, you, it's the fear factor of 
what are they going to think of me? So with those videos, I was so nervous before sending them. I mean, everything's uncomfortable until it's not, right? So even same with videos, it's uncomfortable until it's not. At this point, I could hop on a video and make something for LinkedIn, you know, at, at any point and feel completely comfortable. But it was not always like that. I love you, Rebecca. I absolutely love you. We are cut <laughs> from the same cloth. I say to my team all yeah. the time, the more you put yourself in the uncomfortable, the more comfortable that will be. And I'm like and you, then, I will happily jump on a video call for LinkedIn. It doesn't bother me because I've done it so many times. I know there is no backlash. This, mm-hmm. this fear is all in our heads. It doesn't exist. It's and usually what's the worst a very that safe. can happen. I mean, honestly, what is the worst? They say no. Okay, cool. But the next person very well may say yes. And people that you're going to be sending videos to are very busy. They have things to do. They have important jobs and they aren't going to want to waste their time with somebody that they don't know is serious. So if your words and a message, I mean, it's harder to hit with that. But if you're actually making a video, you made the effort to make the video. They can see you as a person. They can hear what you're saying and see your body language. And they're going to be a lot more eager to speak with somebody who made that effort than somebody who just sent a run-of-the-mill message. I get it all the time. People send me messages to sell things or connect because I know they have an ulterior motive. I'm probably not going to say yes. But if somebody sends me a video and says, hey, I have something that might help you, I'll hop on a call. Absolutely. Fantastic. So what what would you say? In my videos, I would say my name, my experience, why I'm transitioning and what I'm doing to make myself successful. So something to the to the theme of, hi, my name's Rebecca Zetz. I'm currently studying HR. Uh, my goal is to obtain a generalist role. I really feel like I can be an asset to any company I join due to my background and experiences. I would be happy to speak more about them. But more importantly, I would really love to learn how you got to be where you are today because I really admire that. And I hope that someday I'll be in a position like that too. Boom. And that is such a subtle twist on the end so rather than just leave it of me 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 you've switched that and said but I would really like to learn about you so you're we all everybody wants to feel wanted and important Mm -hmm. and if someone's saying to you or somebody's saying um and I would love to hear more about you it's the flattery aspect isn't it is the you know we we struggle then to go ah screw you I'm busy (laughs) Um, generally HR people are absolutely lovely people as well they want to help Um, I think that's amazing and do do you know what thank you because I absolutely put you on the spot there and you um, you know you knocked that one out of the park just off the cuff so that was that was brilliant thank you on that the videos that you send when you actually have a yes and you focus on how people got to be where they are you pick up gold nuggets from people who have 30, 40 years experience that you get to take with you without all the pain of having to learn that. And if you just do the things that made people successful yourself without having to have all of those things that challenge and really stretch you, you get to be challenged and stretched without all the pain. And then you get to be much better at what you do. Well, come on to this and make, because I anticipate it's them from that that has helped you do this phenomenal trajectory in two years, 
Right, everyone, we're going to interrupt the conversation to bring you some information on one of our own very favorite businesses, a company called Tenspace. We've been huge supporters of their work ever since the beginning and just absolutely love their approach to the world of engagement. However, I'm going to let Bethan from Tenspace tell you more about what they do. Hi, I'm Bethan Corley, Commercial Director at Tenspace. I just wanted to let you know a little bit about who we are and what we do. We've developed an employee engagement platform that supports organisations to build highly engaged, high-performing teams. We elevate the employee experience by bringing efficiency, professionalism and simplicity to gathering employee feedback. For people teams, it reduces months of work into minutes with built-in tools to help you understand your feedback and quickly action it. For employees, it offers a simple, trustworthy and engaging way to provide anonymous feedback via WhatsApp, SMS and email. Find out more on our website, tenspace.co.uk. So, right, recap. So, anybody listening, um, as you're, whether you're transitioning or whether you're trying to get into HR or even if you're in a role now and thinking of looking for a new role, this absolutely works for anybody in any scenario. So do outreach, build up your network. Um, the face-to-face side of it, 100%, because build up those relationships and and it's the um, the kind of compound effect. Those people then know other people. And if they know that you're looking to get in touch, they will talk to their friends, their ex-colleagues, their network and, and advocate you and promote you. So you've got kind of that working on one side. On the other side, take matters into your own hands, be proactive, think, right, rather than looking for a job off the job boards, which everyone is doing, or talk to a recruiter, which everyone is doing, how can I make something happen for me? Go out, spend a little bit of time through your lunch break or while you're watching telly of an evening or over a weekend, connect, 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 connect with the right audience and then once they've accepted that connection request, send them a message or even better, record yourself on your phone. Um, I mean, ideally, you want to ch- you want to do it bespoke every time, ideally, because that's the personal touch. But if you're lazy or don't want to do that, just record it once with a generic overview um, and send that out. And if I can say one tip to anybody, record it. Make sure your phone is landscape, not portrait. It really does matter when it when the video kind of comes through um and and make sure you put that twist in of um i'd love to have a chat so i can learn about you and what works for you in your world as well Mm -hmm. absolutely that is uh the magic sauce i think i was rejected from over 70 jobs trying to get into hr and it was because i didn't do anything special that was before i realized you know I feel like I have a great skill set and nobody's really noticing. I think I'm doing something wrong. And that is when I started networking and making videos. And that's when everything changed. What made, what made you think of doing that then? There just is literally, I need to be doing something different. So the different, that was just me and the way my brain works. Uh, I looked around for what I could do that was different. And there is a Who You Know show here in Dallas that's really getting quite large throughout the United States with Trevor Houston. And I did the career summit there. And that was when videos were really suggested. And that was when my brain said, oh, my goodness, I could never do that. That's 
Oh, really? Was that your first reaction? It was. And then, you know, 70 rejections later, I said, you know what? It's time to just try it. Let's just see what happens. And then I loved it. It was great. But it was really hard the first five or six times I did it. Isn't it funny? Because because of the because of the Rebecca that I've seen through social media, I've seen the Rebecca who's come out the other end of all that. So I Mm -hmm. would just naturally expect that you were absolutely comfortable with all that and going, great, yeah, turn the camera on, off we go. (laughs) But it's really interesting to hear you say, I wasn't. I was the same as everybody who has this trepidation about doing this and the anxiety and the what are people going to think of me and the judgment that's going to become... Out of interest, just I, I hope this doesn't backfire now. <laughs> From all of those videos that you sent, how many really negative experiences did you have? So how many did you send where someone then replied and you went, oh, there was no need for that? <laughs> Nobody actually sent a no. I would get no exactly. response, which is exactly. fine. If it sits in your inbox and then one day you come across it and want to reach out, that's completely fine. Uh But it's really funny. There were times where in networking events, people wouldn't make time for me and they were providing a service or, you know, doing something that would potentially be a great fit later down in the road. But because I didn't have the title or the experience or whatever, they didn't want to reach out. And now they're trying to, which is pretty funny how that works, Uh, which is another message of just be kind. If you get a message like that, even if it's not the right time, that's okay. But be kind with your words and your actions. <laughs> you never know. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna step aside from this one because I'm gonna get on my soapbox about <laughs> that. Um, I've I've just seen so many instances where um, if I can't make something, if I can't get something out of you right now that's gonna benefit me, I'm gonna keep on walking by oh, we're now in a role reversal here. And and I I could really benefit from business from you, but I I shunned you, you know, when you really, really needed that help from me. Mm-hmm. But I think you're now going to help me because it's in, again, back in my best interest. I, yeah, I'm not a fan of that way of working. I, I just think in life, do the right thing. Don't, you're not always going to get something from it. Yeah. But sometimes you don't know who knows who. The The interesting thing with all that is having all of these connections and whatnot. Now, my biggest fear back then was I don't have anything to give these people. I don't have anything to provide. They're helping me so much. And I, I don't have anything to give in return. And I wasn't thinking about the long game. I was only thinking about the short game. So to anybody out there who's really trying to get, whether it's in HR, any field, if you don't have anything to give right now, that is completely fine. It's expected. You're early in your career. But after a few years of experience and connections, you very well may be able to help the same people who are helping you now. And there's nothing wrong with that. Get out there and make some magic happen. Yeah, I think that's, it's just so, powerful and educational because um for me what you're talking about is absolute common sense but i'm in a very unique and privileged position as a recruiter that i can see when someone does this in the rarity when someone 
actually does exactly what you're saying, how powerful it is. There is very rarely, if ever, any um, backlash from anybody in a negative way. As you say, the worst that generally happens is you don't get a response at all. But how powerful is it when you get that first, yeah, let's jump on a call. How about you like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Someone wants to talk to me. This, <laughs> yes. Do you know, for, for all the thrill and excitement and the emotions that go through you, that absolutely makes it worth it for putting yourself out there, for doing something that you you were dreading, made you really uncomfortable. As soon as you start to get one yes, you're like, oh, my God, this was so worth it. And then you get another one and then another one and then another one. And, you, and then it becomes kind of quite normal almost. But you, you've now just picked up a methodology of, well, this is me. I do video introductions and I get rewards for it. And as you say, you're in you're in kind of comfort zone then of of kind of that what was uncomfortable previously. I would so, like to think that you keep pushing and pushing, and then your level of uncomfortability just keeps going up and up, and you can do anything. It's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely massive believer in in exactly the same things that you're saying. So one of the things I want to pick up on now is you said, um, you know, some people have said now is not the right time. Um, It's really hard to get into HR. You need to be looking at admin roles. But you said you were absolutely determined to go in as, you know, you said, no, I'm going in as proper HR. So I'm going in as kind of operational, um, value-add, you know, gutty, nitty-gritty, deep in the trenches HR, not... I'm going to go through my, you know, admin and then learn and then build up. And, you know, five, five years from now, I'll be able to get through. I want to go through. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry for saying this. Where did you get the balls for that from? <laughs> I had nothing to really, do you know, if, if people are telling you no, most people go, oh, okay. I'll do what they said because they know. But you, you kind of bashed that back and said, no this is what I want to do. This is the level I believe I should go in at. What gave you the confidence to have that self-belief, I guess? Well, honestly, just to add to that, it was COVID and no one was hiring. It was that time where nobody could find a job. So not only was I going in there trying to find an HR job, I was trying to find an HR job when no one was hiring, like no one. Uh, So with that, I just knew that if I could do something different and be persistent, it could happen. So when people would tell me that it wasn't possible, would I be sad? Yeah. You know, it would hit for a little while, but then I would just get back at it. I would keep doing it. Um, and eventually it did happen. So this it takes quite a lot of resilience though, to be oh, able yeah. to get, keep getting back up and, and going for at sure. it again. There were a lot of rejections along the way. I mean, but at the end of the day, I think of where I am now and I don't regret any of those rejections. I think they all just built me to be where I am now. Um, but I think that's interesting for listeners as well. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, this. Uh-uh. you. This is battle scars, you know, having to absolutely crawl across broken glass, but having that self-belief that I believe in me. And I need one person out there to believe in me. That's all you need. You need one person. Yep. And that's exactly what I kept telling myself. It takes one person to say yes. And it's just practice until I hit that one person. And eventually I did find that person. And the learning I had from that role was phenomenal. 
uh, I was taught how to do things that were way above what my job description was so that I was prepped later on in life when these things happened. Did I expect those things to happen so quickly? No. But at the same time, despite the fact that not all the experiences are mine, I know the people who have had the experiences. People have imparted knowledge. They've been rooting for me um, and providing me with so many resources. So yeah, things things worked out. It was hard, but they worked out. Did you find that because you had had such a unique background across um, across teaching that you were able to bring some of that into HR, you know, almost like a um, a slightly different perspective to somebody who'd maybe gone through an orthodox route? I, in my head, I always think of pictures. And when I think of that situation, there's a circle and there's a degree that everybody comes out at this angle. And when you're teaching, you come out from this angle. So you're both looking this at the same really set of problems. Well, an audio, does it? No. <laughs> We've got visual hands moving here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. But basically, you have two different angles. And you can both be looking at the same situation. And you can both have ways that you would solve that situation. Not to say that one's right or one's wrong. They both will get you to the end goal. But I think it's interesting because my experiences have all been very people-based so with that, when I look at a problem, I just see it through a different filter and I'm able to solve it maybe a little bit differently than somebody else would. Uh, and not to say one's better or one's worse, but I think some companies need one and some companies need the other. Um, and I like that I'm able to bring that different uh, viewpoint wherever I go. Okay, fantastic. So million dollar question. How did you see so you, you've got the first job? You've explained mm -hmm. that um, the person you're working with um, gave you some amazing experience, you know, stuff, you getting involved in stuff way, way above your pay grade. Um, I believe that would only happen if they felt comfortable that you were able to do it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there isn't just, oh, well, she was really, really lucky. She landed this great job and they just gave us some amazing experience. That doesn't happen unless the trust is there of going, do you know what? We're going to give you this project, but we we think you can. You know, no one ever sets anybody up to fail, or they shouldn't. So they obviously believed in you. So there was some trust built very very early on. But how the hell do you go from that that first day to where we are now as a as a HR director in only two years? What what have you what have you done in two years? Or, well, what have you done in less than two years because you've been in this role now for a, couple of, a period of time how have we got here how have you gone at such a trajectory what what have you learned how have you gone about your your job in such a way that you have been recognized over somebody who has been in hr for 15 20 years so the People in my corner are everything to me. I mean, without them, I would not be nearly as successful as I am. And I will acknowledge that up and down forever. Uh, and with that, these people in my corner have been rooting for me, providing resources to me and building me up and making introductions and helping me grow and putting me in different situations. And that opportunity here came because uh, people people knew, you know, Rebecca Zetz on LinkedIn, Rebecca Zetz doing all these 
things out there in the community, volunteering. I won an award last year. Um, and once again, all of these things happened because I have amazing people in my corner. And the role that I'm in now wanted somebody just, just like me. And I am that person for them. I come with different ideas and different ways to do things. And I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. I have the ability to make positive change and grow and do all of these phenomenal things. And once again, it's because put myself out there, met amazing people and learned from those amazing people. So a couple of things. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm asking you a lot of questions today. Ironically, <laughs> we actually started this and I, I, I said, Rebecca, are you OK with today? You know, are you all right with it? And she said, yeah, I'll just answer the questions. And I was like, don't worry, I, there's not a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> but there might be, I'm, I'm just nosy, but there is no set question. I feel like I have just absolutely grilled you today. So apologies about this. <laughs> but a couple of things there. So um, two questions, I'm going to say them out, otherwise I'll forget one of them. So one, you said um, they wanted you because of um, your creativity. Um, so I'm interested, um, I know you put a lot of stuff out there on LinkedIn. So, so, so part of that, I think is, I'm rambling now. Um, part of this is you saying, I've got people in my corner, but you do a lot for you. You don't just go, I built up a great network. You are very active in, as you say, keep, keep kind of progressing forward. You put a lot of content out. You do a lot of things. You contribute a lot. You 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 give back to that network as much as that network has helped you um from what i see you know i i don't know you amazingly well but from what i've seen it feels that way um so i feel like i've answered my own question there so uh, you know i guess part of it is it's not just kind of doing the what everybody does is going back to that kind of doing stuff differently um giving back, doing stuff outside of your normal day job. But the the other bit I'm really interested in was, um, do you think you have benefited because you, going back to what we were talking about earlier, because you didn't have that exposure to HR, because you came in this at a kind of a mid to senior level, having never worked in HR, do you think your style of HR has benefited from that? I would say absolutely. Uh, and once again, I think it is that perfect storm of having all these international experiences that directly translate to what I'm doing now. Um, I mean, even in special education, you're compliant with laws and having to do all of these compliancy activities and making sure that things are safe. And I mean, all of those things really do transfer to what I'm doing. And it really does give me a different uh different viewpoint because my experiences are not all HR. So I know what other industries do. So I can think about, okay, well, it was done like this in the past and this is the, the milestone we need to hit. So how can I figure out what to do? So I'll mix my experience with some feedback from others and figure out how it is best to get to that point. And I don't have to do it exactly the way you know, HR does it. I love that HR, you have to be compliant, but being compliant can look different for each company. So we have to figure out the best way for us. Um, no matter what role you're in as an HR professional, that's always the goal. Figure out the best way to do things for your company. And I love that. I think there's, 
from, from my perspective, um, I really enjoy talking to people like you who I, I'm, I kind of put you in a box. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Or I kind of put you under, um, not under, in a box, but under an umbrella. I call it progressive HR. Mm. Because for me, it's about going, right, this is the way it's always been done. Does it always have to be still done that way? Or actually, is there a way of doing it differently that is more in tune with the way that the world is developing and moving? So we hosted a HR event in the UK um, last week, and we had a, a fantastic guest, um, a lady called Amy Dorham. Um, and I got Amy to speak. She's been on the podcast before because she writes, um, she rips up the rule book when it comes to policies. And she writes um, guidance notes. And Amy stood up in front of a room of about 40 HR professionals and gave some examples of the way that these guidance notes have been spoken about. And what struck me was how, yes, they were compliant. Absolutely. They had to be compliant. But often nobody reads the company handbook because it's so, it's like a legal document. And who wants to read that because it's not fun? So Amy kind of took away all of that, basically ripped it all up and said, right, this is the compliance element. This is in a tone that people are going to want to read it. But this is the human element around it. And, and this is what happens in real life. You know, if, you know, she, one example she gave us, you know, if, if, if you're, if your dad passes away and you've been estranged from your dad and haven't spoke to him in, you know, 30 years, but you're allowed a day off to attend his funeral and, you know, a period of time off for, for grieving, but your best friend who, You've lived in each pocket, each other's pockets for 40 years. You've grown up together, passes away. Well, you're not allowed time off by the company handbook because it's only for you know immediate family. Yeah, that person was more important to you in your life than your estranged father. So it's about adapting those um guidance notes in, in real world talk. And that, you know, that there were so many things that, that Amy spoke about that resonated, but again, it was progressive HR. It's rather than just saying, well, I'm just going to go onto Google and, and plagiarize a policy, or I'm going to go on to, you know, take the ones that we had in my last company or go into, you know, um, a, a big corporate, and you know, knowing the worldwide, they must have great benchmark policies. Well, actually they probably do have great, benchmark policy that are very compliant and very dull and nobody wants to read them but where's the where's the real world in that and what i like about people like you and amy and, and there's tons of other people out there are you're putting it the head above the parapet you're you're challenging the status quo and you're saying just because it's always been done that way does it need to be done that way no i think the way yes we want to be compliant yes we want to have the best interest of the organization in there but it's also going to work for the employees because without them that business isn't going anywhere and we need to keep them engaged and we need to ensure that we've got the best brand for for recruitment and retention and all the other stuff that goes on you know we don't need to talk about engagement today but so i just love the all the stuff that you've, you you've kind of spoken about today um an hour i can't believe an hour has passed i feel like we've been talking for 10 minutes <laughs> Um, I feel as though I'm going to have to get you back on at some point because 
I think there's probably a lot of other stuff we can talk around. I feel as though we haven't really got into the, well, what are you doing day to day that's different? Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, if you're open to it, I'd, I'd really like to maybe have a, a chat afterwards about kind of bringing you back on at another point of view because you've got a phenomenal career. Um, I want I want people to come away, listen to this, and go in. I don't want them to to listen to your story and say, well, "That's great," but she, you know, so she she built up a network. Then she she landed this great job. Um, she said she did this teach in the past and that helped her. Um, she's obviously clearly landed on her feet. Somebody's given her this dream job, and she's just she's a really really lucky individual. What we've spoken about today are principles and methodologies. Yes, you had a really colourful background. That just adds to the story. There are lots of aspects in there that you led you to HR, but at the end of the day, where we are right now you're you've achieved what you've achieved because of things that anybody can do it's just that nobody is doing them and i I want people to listen to reflect on that and, and and listen back to kind of what we spoke about today because there are lots of strategies in there that can help anybody at any level within their hr career if you're not networking why not it costs nothing except a bit of time and it can be your absolute treasure chest it could be a war chest it can be invaluable to you the knowledge sharing the benefit the collaboration the pick me up when i'm feeling down the mentoring all of the other things that i've spoken about on tons of other podcasts um but yeah i just look for me that was an amazing 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 conversation um your i think you should be an inspiration to a lot of people um but I'd love to get you back on and we'll we'll kind of deep dive into a little bit more of, of kind of what you've been doing. So I feel like an hour's flown by and we've just scratched the surface of how we've got to where you've got to. We're not yet talking about the change that you're driving within your organisation. Would that be okay? Yeah. Cool. Well, look, thank you so much for, for giving up your time today. Um, we'll have a chat. I'll try and coerce you into a part two. Um, <laughs> but look Rebecca thank you again for just kind of giving out your time for this episode absolutely and before we leave I would just love to say if anybody would like to reach out please feel free on LinkedIn I'm happy to help and really excited to potentially impact other people's careers as well amazing well I I will tag you um, when this goes out um, the week after I'm saying the week after next nobody knows that Um, why is it these 14th um 14th of december this episode will go out um so just before i kind of wrap up for for christmas then um but yeah i'll tag you on that um and yeah anybody please feel free to connect with rebecca and rebecca thank you once again absolutely as many buttons as there are for record and there's another show in the bag i hope you enjoyed it and really appreciate you listening We've received so much feedback from people who have said how helpful these conversations are and how the insights are helping individuals with their own careers. However, to get the podcast to a larger audience, we need your help. Please could I ask you that you'd write a review on whichever platform you're listening to this on, as it's the ratings and reviews which really help get a podcast promoted. So if you could spare just 30 seconds to write us a review, that would be really, really appreciated. In the meantime, I hope you'll join us on the next episode and I'll see you then.
This podcast is brought to you by Hire People, a recruitment agency specialising in the HR and marketing professions. But we're not your typical recruitment agency. When I created Hire People, I very much wanted to rip up the rule book when it came to the model I felt a recruitment business for the modern times should adopt. I've been an internal recruiter as well as a HR manager using the services recruitment agencies. Some good, mostly poor. I've also been a job seeker on the receiving end of poor service from every recruitment agency I applied for a job through. It left me feeling despondent, non-supported and very much like a statistic. So I decided to do a Gandhi and go and be the change that I wanted to see in the world. Hire People was born from that desire to not only run a recruitment agency that has standards, but continuously driving those standards higher. We are highly innovative and introduce the number of features that distinguish us from your typical recruitment agency. We offer a six-month 100% rebate. We've introduced the innovative and groundbreaking Hired360 product, which has brought 3D CVs and 3D job descriptions to the market. And we very much place the emphasis on service, not sales. So if you're interested in working with us, get in touch and let's see how we can help.